0: everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Miss Independence podcast. Before we get started today, I just wanted to make an announcement that uh, if you have not yet liked our uh, Instagram or TikTok, I would encourage you to go look at the Miss Independence page. It has all the updates and will keep you updated throughout the week on new episodes and new content and any other kind of information or announcements. And I think that's the only announcement I had today. Uh, The episode today is about informational support and we have Travis Hoffman from Summit and he's going to be talking about the importance of informational support so the support series is back and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Do you ever feel like you're unseen or unheard because of your disability? Do you feel isolated and unsupported? Welcome to the Miss Independence podcast. From questions about chronic illness to doctor's appointments, dating, advocating for yourself, this podcast should provide information about the odds and ends of life for someone with a disability or chronic illness. We will talk about many different topics that I hope you can use as a resource to make your life better. I will share personal stories as well as having guests and experts come and share their own experience and expertise. I am hoping that there can be unfiltered conversations and assumptions that are debunked so that people who do not live this life can be informed about what life with a disability is like. I am really looking forward to interacting with you and hearing your experience. Thank you for listening. Hi, Travis. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, So thank you for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: No problem, it's great
0: to be here. Um, Could you give us a little bit of background about who you are and what Summit Independent Living is?
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Travis Paulson and I've been a staff member at Summit since 2004. So for a long time I was the advocacy coordinator and just beginning this October I've kind of moved into a new role as the program coordinator. So um, kind of learning what that new role is and a lot of uh, some more administrative duties than i've had in the past but um but yeah summit uh is uh, a center for independent living so centers for independent living were authorized in the rehabilitation act federally sorry my phone's ringing Uh, so like I said, we were, uh, centers for independent living were authorized out of the rehab act, um, federally. So there's 400 and some, I believe, uh, nationwide and here in Montana, we have four different centers for independent living. And so summit's one of those and we provide, uh, services for people with disabilities in the seven Western, uh, counties in Montana. So, uh, as a, A nonprofit organization, we're a consumer driven. Uh, Federally, we have to have at least 51% of our board and staff members as people with disabilities, and and I think we far exceed that. Um, But yeah, so Center for Independent Living, um, we provide uh, peer delivered services uh, that are unique, kind of in the world of human services, and it's designed to give people with all types of disabilities tools and resources. That they need to improve their independence, uh, improve their self-confidence, increase their knowledge and their skills, and allow them to better access community resources in, in achieving whatever their goals might be.
0: That's great. So, uh,
1: and
0: our, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go
1: ahead. Oh, I just going to say, um, uh, so kind of, the whole thought behind the peer delivered delivery of services, uh, the old model, the way kind of services used to be structured is there was a doctor that made all the decisions and doctors always knew best. And That's what we call the medical model. So kind of the, the philosophy behind what we do is making disability uh, a natural part of life and the people who experience disability, the experts in their own lives. And, and, um, Giving them the, the self determination and the, the power to take control over their own lives and to make their own
0: decisions. That's great. And I liked how you were talking about how 51% of your board has a dis uh, as somebody who identifies as having a disability. I think that that just brings a whole new level of understanding to your guys' organization.
1: Yep, it, it, sure, it certainly does.
0: Uh, what is Summit's? um mission
1: so our mission is pretty simple it's to advance the independence and civil rights of people with disabilities
0: oh great okay. that's
1: what we we strive to do so we we do that kind of on two fronts we do it uh individually through our individual consumer services so skills training peer advocacy um self advocacy um, uh, transition services um. yes yeah, so there's five core services that we provide those are oh, the, the fifth one would be information and referral so mm-hmm. all of our services uh, uh, oh, yeah, all of our services so in order to be eligible to like be a consumer you have to have a disability with the exception of information and referral services and that's available to anybody family members people with disabilities community members organizations governmental entities uh, things like that and then on the second uh front uh where we really try to pursue our mission of advancing civil rights is uh, doing systemic advocacy so lobbying during the legislature to uh pass bills that will improve or put in place programs that meet the needs of people with disabilities whether it be uh, Medicaid-related, um, uh, job-related, uh, economics-related, uh, or um, even like parking-related with accessible parking laws and different things like that. Disability doesn't just touch on one area of somebody's life. Disability is a part of somebody and they experience every every part of life that everybody without a disability experiences, and so disability is everywhere. So, we need to ensure that education is accessible and, and uh, attainable, uh, housing, transportation, healthcare—you uh, name it. Like um, we're 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 always striving to improve service systems in all areas of life to make them accessible to and usable by everyone, including people with disabilities.
0: So. That's so great, and I think that that's such a great holistic approach that you guys have. Uh wide range of areas in which you want to help people. Because, um, and not that it's uh, necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes organizations can only help individuals with a disability in one specific area. So it's really cool that you guys are able to encompass all the aspects of a uh, of life for everyone.
1: And that's where like a lot of our core service or what our core service of information and referral comes is, mm-hmm like we're not able to provide those direct assistance benefits a lot of the time and so that that's where if if you if somebody reaches out to us we're able to connect them to those more narrowly focused uh benefit programs like low income energy assistance or snap benefits or medicaid or um uh, paratransit services things like that um that somebody who may be new to disability or maybe new to an area uh, or might be transitioning um, from high school into adulthood and, and looking to take more control over their own lives, maybe hasn't been taught about or aren't aware of. So that's a, one of the great things about uh, a Center for Independent Living is just being able to assist people through those processes um, to to better their own situation and help them pursue their own goals.
0: That's so great. Um, and how long did you say? You said you've been on the comp with the company for two thousand since two thousand
1: and four. Yeah, so I've been a staff member since two thousand and four, uh, and I became a peer advocate in I think two thousand two. Okay. Right? Um, while I was going to school at the university, so
0: that's amazing. I've been with the company for a while. Uh, what kinds of activities and events do you summit put on throughout the year for both? Um their, the community, as well as the participants in the program?
1: So it varies from year to year. Mm -hmm. Um, We try to do some skills training classes, we partner with uh, the rural Institute, the Montana Disability and Health Program to uh, carry out classes like living well in the community, uh, working well. Um, We also in the past have offered a It's called a WRAP class, WRAP, Wellness Recovery Action Planning. Um, It's geared kind of towards people being able to uh, plan for uh, mental health crises, things like that. We also have a secondary location here in Missoula called BASE. It's located in the old warehouse mall, and they do uh, several activities. It's It's all ages, all abilities, all the activities are. So they do... Uh, things like all abilities, yoga, um, some role-playing games and uh, game nights where they uh, get together and do role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, or they can do board games, video games, whatever people want to come in and do. Um, it really allows people that haven't gotten out or had the opportunity to go out and socialize to, to do so. Uh, we have a uh, right now, we, we have a Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation grant that's funding some activities over there as well, like the, the yoga group, the role playing games group. We also have an art group, and then we have a, a base film extravaganza group. Uh, they're filling uh, some short films that'll uh, be shown at the Roxy, I think, in December. We also finished a, another round that we did a, a film festival. Uh, I think it was Camp Horror Film Festival at the Roxy. Inn in August. So that was pretty fun. Oh, well, that's
0: and then the really other
1: cool. program under the Christopher and Dana Reeves uh grant is uh it's called Chew. It's cost, e- cost effective healthy eating workshop and so we've been doing that virtually over Zoom. But that's been a fairly well attended program. and We had originally started that program under a Gallagher Foundation grant. So it's been pretty successful.
0: Well, could um, you Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That was you go ahead. I was just going to say, could you give us a little bit more information on the Chew program? I've never heard of that. That sounds really interesting.
1: On the Chew program?
0: The um, Eat Well.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was right before the pandemic hit, we had applied for a grant through the Gallagher Foundation to kind of hold some in-person uh, workshops to kind of uh, teach them basic cooking skills and we were gonna do it like with uh instapots like uh show people how to uh, do some meal planning and cook some quick healthy inexpensive meals with the instapot that they could uh maybe like prepare meals like once a week or however often they wanted mm-hmm. and so we were able to get that grant and we um right when we get when to get started um, COVID hit. had everything shut down so we weren't able to do it in person so we proceeded to do them all over zoom and um, it actually was pretty successful so people just getting on zoom and we'd have, have a facilitator cooking a meal and everybody else could uh, cook along with them if they wanted or they could just observe the, the recipe and whatnot went out ahead of time so people could get their ingredients and whatnot. And so we've just extended that um, as. Uh, at our base location, and as part of our Christopher Dana Reeves Foundation grant, um, we've been able to extend that as well. So it's it's been pretty cool. It's,
0: uh, That's really cool.
1: Time for people socialize around food and, and learn learn different recipes, and and they uh, they can cook uh, healthy meals on on a lower budget. So
0: that is really cool. I as somebody I I like to cook, but um, sometimes it can be hard with uh, my dietary restrictions and so uh that's really cool that it's like a cost-effective cooking class that's awesome um that's yeah oh sorry i just wanna um can you define what accessibility means to you and or to summit what like what if you had to explain it to somebody
1: yeah so i mean accessibility making something accessible means something different to each individual person, depending on what barriers they face in life, right? Right. So, so somebody who's deaf might need, uh, interpreters to, to make language and communications accessible. Um, somebody who's blind, um, may need a guide dog or a white cane and the environment to be conducive, to be able to use those adaptive devices. And somebody who uses a wheelchair might need curb ramps and ground floor entries at the door uh, at businesses and and other buildings. So I I think accessibility isn't one thing, but I think when we try to advocate for accessible or accessibility, we try to approach it from a a holistic uh, perspective where we're not just advocating for wheelchair access or we're not just advocating for Uh, access for people who are deaf or who are blind. We're we're really trying to to look at the environment and make it accessible and usable by everybody. So whether that be uh, when you're looking at an intersection, curb cuts uh, for somebody who uses a mobility device, um, accessible crosswalks that are navigable by somebody using a cane, that makes sense. the crosswalk mechanism is usable and accessible to them um so that the the crosswalk button's not 10 feet away from where they actually cross and leads them out into the middle of an intersection or something and a lot of it is um just a lot of advocacy for safer devices in our environment especially like if we're talking about intersections like The new craze is all about roundabouts, so roundabouts Mm. can be really tough for somebody who is blind to navigate. So just incorporating as many safety components in an intersection that might contain a roundabout that um, it can make it accessible, whether it be rapid flashing beacon um, that warns cars to uh, a pedestrian. a multi-lane roundabout, which thankfully we don't have any in Missoula yet, but mm-hmm. making sure that they're signalized so that a pedestrian has uh, a means of being able to stop traffic to be able to to cross multiple lanes at a roundabout, uh, and making sure like the curbs are set up correctly so um, somebody doesn't think, oh, I'm crossing the crossing the street and they end up in the middle island. So I mean, there's just different things, and then. When it comes to buildings, elevators, when it comes to communication, making sure language is accessible, um, it's understandable. Making sure um, if somebody's going to read something electronically, a screen reader can read something. Um, making sure the like, complex language, uh, so like we always try to to use language that's kind of at an eighth grade level. Um, oh, okay. Just to make it make it more accessible, things like that. So. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the question was define accessibility, and so mm-hmm.
0: you know, or just like I how do you look at how
1: I would define it because it means different things to different people depending on what their barriers are.
0: Right, and, and
1: we're here to advocate for everybody. So
0: I really like that. I I think that that's a great explanation though. And we um I have the I have a health communication certificate, so um we talk a lot about. Uh, making sure that information that's being provided to us it, or like the patient or the recipient is um, understandable. So yeah, I, I think I've heard that fact um, somewhere that it needs to be on eighth grade level as well. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, that's another thing that we've done recently, obviously with the COVID uh, mm-hmm. pandemic, when the vaccine started rolling out, everybody thought about people living in congregate care settings such as nursing homes and the federal government contracted with walgreens and um what's the other drug store cvs yeah cvs
0: i, I, I always get those two mixed up uh,
1: so I, I was gonna say canva but that's a, a an image thing so <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah cvs and, and um walgreens to provide those vaccinations and so health departments really didn't think much about the population and were like, well, what about those really receiving in-home health care, like PCAs and stuff, and it, it was really a bad situation to begin with because um, those individuals with disabilities and other health conditions that receive services at home were part of that priority one group, but they were kind of forgotten about, so we had to do a mm-hmm. lot of advocacy there, and then also making sure the the means by which people had to be able to to sign up for the, the vaccination, that those were accessible and that the health departments knew or implemented a, a mechanism to where people could request accommodations in the vaccine process. So even though we're 30-some years past the passage of the ADA, sometimes it's like it's a brand new law depending on what the situation we're in is so it's kind of it's frustrating sometimes but um yeah
0: yeah i think I that,
1: that's uh, some job security
0: yeah exactly right yeah job security for sure but uh no i think that that's an excellent point too that when we implement any change on like a national level or like as a society or even i guess with the pandemic worldwide it just has to kind of not restart the conversation but um we not even redirect uh reintroduce the concept of ada and accessibility
1: yeah you would think that like when when new stuff comes up or things like people would know like oh this has been a lot we need to make sure this is accessible but i think things happen at such a rapid pace as, and sometimes like in rural communities where they don't have unlimited resources they. They don't have anybody on staff who is really focused on making sure the ada is followed like they should and so i think a lot of things slip through the cracks and it then comes uh becomes um a burden for the people who need the services to point out the the shortcomings or the barriers to improve things and
0: And sometimes they feel like they can't even speak out because they're speaking out against their own agent you know agents yeah support I guess is the word. Yeah, uh, there's definitely that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, how do you make... So we've talked a little bit about accessibility and how just in general it means different things in different contexts, uh, but how do you guys make your events accessible for individuals with disabilities, um, either pre-pandemic or post-pandemic or just in general? Yeah, so
1: just in general. So. There's a great, great checklist. I think it's probably on ADA.gov. Anybody can Google it, look it up, like uh, meeting checklist or event checklist, ADA checklist, and so it it gives some some good pointers about um, putting on accessible events. Um, So what we do is one, make sure we're doing it in an accessible location. Two, making sure like any information that we're going to put out there that um, so people know who they can contact to receive accommodations or information and alternative materials um, if there's going to be presentations and whatnot we could um, make sure we have an ASL interpreter or a scheduled cart um, there's kind of a, a new thing kind of going around too with audio descriptions which is a great idea that Unfortunately, it hasn't been around longer, but making sure like any of the, our materials, like there's an audio description of it too for individuals who might need, a, might need that instead of uh, maybe just having their device read some materials to them. Um, the great example is we did a, uh, a mural down on the, in the alley behind the, the old Mercantile, Hill where the, the Numeria Hotel is. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Olay and uh so it's kind of we have uh, the mural's kind of four different panels that kind of represent the past present and future of, of disability in an artistic express artistically expressive way and so on each panel there's braille and then there's also a, a qr code on on each of the panels that People can scan and it'll load an audio description onto their phone. That's
0: oh, cool. that's really cool. That's really cool. I like so, that. Yeah, we just
1: yeah we just go through a, a checklist, make sure we're being accommodating to, to everyone that we can be. Yeah, and then we'll also uh, take personal requests for accommodations.
0: Oh, that's cool. Cause then people can come to the table with their own ideas about like what they see as something that can benefit them. um how do you um how to wrap up this part of the segment how do you how wow i cannot talk today how have you seen summit develop over the last few years since you've been there
1: so so, summit's kind of gone through a rocky road over the past couple of years we've lost a couple of staff staff members so we we lost our longtime program manager to a health issue they had to retire early, and then in 2021 we lost um, a couple more staff members, including our our longtime executive director um, and our peer advocacy coordinator, who had both passed away that year. So we're kind of starting into a new phase. Um, we have a new executive director, Tammy Hor, who's worked in the the independent living um, I want to say field or area profession. Um, for quite a few years, she used to work over at the Center for Independent Living in Helena, that mm. um, Montana Independent Living Project, and then she was the director at the the center in Billings, living independently for today and tomorrow for a couple of years. And Then um, she had been on the Disability Rights Montana board, um, and she was hired to become Summit's new executive director here in April or May of this year. So we're kind of on a new road and mm-hmm. we're moving forward and doing what we can do to to improve our services and make sure that we're um, meeting the needs of the communities that we serve so
0: great that's awesome in the next segment we're going to be talking about informational support well thank you for all the information about some independent living it was very interesting um, could you guys get, or could you give me an example of, uh, and a definition of what informational support is and an example of how you guys, I know we talked about it a little bit in the part one, but just a little bit more concentrated on informational support of an, a, an example of that. Boy, I'm, this is
1: the first time I've heard it, like, I guess what I would say what I would interpret informational support as would be um, giving people the information that they need to, to be able to follow through and do something. So um, if they need to apply for Medicaid, but they don't know how, um, providing them that information. Or for Social Security, providing them that information. And maybe even it goes beyond that. Um, providing them kind of stepping through the bureaucratic process so that um, people don't feel like they're on their own and and not knowing, like, what's the next step I need to take? They they have somebody to fall back on and ask, so what is the next step I need to take? And We can guide them through those bureaucratic processes, Uh, whether it be applying for benefits like Social Security, Medicaid, or seeking like accommodations from an employer or from a housing uh, landlord or provider, some things like that. That's kind of what I would, I would define information and refer, or information.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's a guess, yes, Yeah, in our um, health communication class, we kind of just learned about um, the different types of support and I think that Summit does a great job of informational support because you guys, are providing resources and information to the community about what's available and accessible and what uh, what's their rights yeah, as well. Um, yeah, so, Yeah, go, um, no, no, go ahead. Go, go ahead. go to your next question. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, how do you make it accessible? Uh, how do you make your information about someone accessible?
1: Yeah, so informational support like what you just said kind of resonated with me a little bit so it's kind of the model that's really behind what we do right Right. giving people the tools and resources to do things on their own pursue their own goals well not just do things on their own but they're the ones that are in control of their their own their own goals like we want them to be able to step through the things and not depend on others to do things for them right Right. Um, and, I, and I don't mean like that somebody might need some hands-on assistance but they're still in charge of doing what they're doing and that's kind of what it, um, not really what I mean by um, support but like kind of the, the philosophy behind il is just to give people those resources so that they can go and go and do those things um, and so I, I think informational support's a good definition for it as well um and so just making sure our stuff's accessible is kind of the same way with events so um working with people one-on-one obviously we take their requests or or follow their lead on what's going to make things accessible for them um whether we need to bring in an interpreter we need to um simplify some information stuff we need to um meet uh over zoom in person um whatever the case might be um we can typically accommodate most uh accessibility requests or that we get from consumers so
0: that's great uh i was gonna say something and now i'm kind of forgetting what i was gonna say but no that's great that um you guys are very aware of that uh because it really does help people engage in the conversation the larger conversation
1: definitely
0: yeah uh when implementing the tools like that information kind of uh, like when you're trying to get it out there for your consumers uh what do you consider um to make sure that it's effective in reaching all the people that it needs to reach and making sure that information is accessible.
1: So that's always the hard part, right? So anybody who does research knows about response rates and, and them being low typically, Mm -hmm. but, um, but we try to go through a variety of channels to get information out. So like with, uh, we we do a, a quarterly newsletter that we send out to a list. Um, We're moving to electronic, so if people want to sign up for our newsletter to receive quarterly newsletters and kind of monthly, shorter monthly updates, um, head to our website at summitilc.org. There's a form on there to sign up. But um, we we utilize the newsletter. We utilize our website. We utilize social media. um, And we also utilize... um, are like I said, we have uh, we're moving to electronic newsletters, so that means we have uh, a listserv that we um, have a, a few hundred people on that uh, we can send information out to, and then we also have what's called an action alert system that we can send informational updates out to, and it's around 800 people who are a part of that. Um, uh-huh. But a lot of what we do with the action alert system is send out opportunities for people to. Uh, sending comments to legislators, or maybe it's a city council, maybe it's the uh, Department of Health and Human Services is doing uh, some administrative rules stuff. So, whenever we need uh, people to chime in on um, some of our systems advocacy efforts, we'll send out informational emails and provide links for, for people to make contacts. And so, just making sure like a lot of that uh, electronic stuff is accessible is. Really using accessible language, making sure images um, have alternative text or um, are described in the body uh, of the email or the communication. We send out a lot of uh, electronic flyers and PDF, make sure those are accessible. So there's a variety of ways. And then we also, um, just all of the electronic media that we might create, we pass it along through the different um, community Groups that we were involved in, so like the community management team groups that we we're involved in, several communities including Missoula, Hamilton, Kalispell, um the health department, vocational rehabilitation um, service providers, uh, Medicaid waiver teams, things like that. Some of those organizations that have day-to-day contact with uh, people in their own homes or in the community to pass-along information so we try to cast a broad net and catch as many people as you can
0: i think that's so great
1: everybody's living their own lives
0: yes and i think that one of the no no you're good uh one of the things that i was just gonna say um is that informational support can work both ways right like the, and the the consumers can come to you for information about if they're not sure how to navigate a certain situation or find support to, for like food stamps or WIC or whatever but also when we're talking about the legislative aspect of it they're the ones who can offer the informational support because most of our legislators have no clue about any of this they don't even know it exists yes, certainly and so, therefore, they can't advocate advocate for it at all, or effectively advocate, or so I think that I'm just kind of like sitting here being like, oh, that actually kind of goes both ways.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when it comes to legislature legislatures, um, especially with with term limits and whatnot, like you there's always a, a re-education component to every legislative session because you have turnover because of elections or you have turnover because of term limits. So um, every legislative session is a, is a huge educational um, kind of component, I guess, of what we do, um, just educating legislators about the various issues that might affect how they're going to view some of the bills that they might be voting on that will affect people's uh with people who live with disabilities their lives
0: do you know if the legislative um committee has a committee designated for like individuals with disabilities like is there like a certain committee they could sit on
1: so there's i mean there's several different committees so a lot of um services that are provide services for people with disabilities are provided through uh dphhs right um, right we have il uh, Medicaid, things like that. And so there's that's always section B of the budget that the government puts together. So there's always um, a sub, a budget subcommittee for children, families. Uh, it's called the Children, Families, Health and Human Services Section B subcommittee. But um, so they meet for the first part of the session and go through a lot of the programs. Uh, and there there's a, a subcommittee for every section of the budget, not just human services, but and then in the House, there's also a Health and Human Services Committee. Um, and then in the Senate, uh, they do a um, Health, Welfare and uh, Safety Committee, I believe, is who, hears, who primarily hears most of the, the disability related issues. But it also d- depends on what topic the issue is as to, as to what committee it goes in. So
0: right. some
1: things could land in the Judicial Committee. I had a, a parking bill land there a couple sessions ago. Um, whereas last session it landed in the transportation committee. So, um, I think it's important to educate all legislators, no matter what, uh, committee they might land on, cause they're, they're all gonna be asked to vote on all the bills anyways. Right.
0: Um, and,
1: and there is no one committee that speci- specifically focuses on just disability issues or just health issues. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and all, like you said, all of the legislators vote on it anyway, so they should all be informed about the information. Yeah, that definitely. definitely makes sense. Um, so some of our or some of our listeners are outside the state of Montana. So, could you give us a, a couple of steps or kind of some insight on how to find like a version of some independent living within their area?
1: So yeah, so the I L are you independent? Let me. have to look this up to get the name right. Um. Independent Living Research and Reutilization, I believe is what it's called. Um, but they um, are kind of a technical assistance site. Yeah, so Independent Living Research Utilization Project. Um, it's a great website to go to, or you can even go to like the National Council on Independent Living or the Association of Programs for Rural Independent Living to find out more about independent living. But on the ILRE website, um, you can search, I believe, by your address as to what the closest center for independent living might be to you um like i said there's hundreds across the nation or okay. in montana uh, and i believe pretty much every county in the united states is covered under a sill so
0: that is amazing yeah i just wanted to provide that kind of step for uh people who aren't in this area because they might be wondering well how do i get these services so that's great um uh how do you think informational support can be improved
1: um well we still um, informational support can always be improved it can always be we're always running into barriers whether it's information from local, county, state governments getting put out that's, that's not accessible, or um, businesses that um, maybe they don't know what their requirements are to put stuff out in accessible formats, or maybe um, they just don't do it. So, there, I mean. Every day, people are still putting out information that's not accessible. So, I mean, that's just uh, something that we need to continue to advocate for until mm-hmm. the ADA is commonplace and people actually—it's an everyday practice to say, "Oh, we need to make this accessible." No big deal. Um, people with disabilities are, are customers too. They go and spend money at your business, so. Uh, making sure that your materials are accessible to them is should be just standard business practice. It should be standard practice for health departments to make vaccine uh, processes accessible or um, WIC or whatever the program might be Mm -hmm. you're in the business of um, providing service to the public and people with disabilities are part of the public so exactly um, accessibility accessibility should be an integral component of every service and program that that we all all do whether it's a private business or a a governmental agency or programs Mm
0: -hmm. no i yes i agree because we're all part of the uh community and yeah we're just as part of it as you guys are not not you know i meant like other people without disabilities exactly yeah um. Do you have any fire? I think that was my last question. I can't remember. Um. Did how we already talked about that? I just want to make sure I'm covering everything. Um. Yeah. Uh. Do you have any final thoughts about informational support and uh, dealing with a disability or chronic illness, and why just it's important to have informational support, or just in general, any other final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think informational support is important because people need to educate themselves to do what is best for themselves. So if you're experiencing chronic health condition or any type of disability really, or you just maybe saw somebody experiencing a, a barrier in the community, like I think people educating themselves is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, we're all a community, we're all in this together together we can have a stronger voice to make sure everybody's included mm-hmm. um, so I think just seeking out that information so you know where to go if you experience X Y or Z um, whether that be you, know, you need to call a he- your healthcare professional or you need to know where you can call to get information about um, how to file a complaint against somebody or where you can go to apply for some employment supports or different things like that. I think it, it, it all starts with the individual. If we don't get the request for the information, we have nobody to provide the information to,
0: so. Exactly, and um, I,
1: I think yeah. It all, st- it the- all starts with, with everybody um, wanting to better their own situation and seek out that information, so.
0: And I think that personally, for me, having that information and knowledge does kind of empower me because then i'm able to better make decisions i just feel like it's an empowerment tool personally for me
1: precisely
0: yes well that's great um well thank you for coming on travis i'm so glad that we got to talk about this today yeah i'm glad you
1: invited me on and i appreciate you taking the time to draw attention to to IL um, and and disability issues, they're important. And I think the more people talk about them, the more, uh, hopefully the more people want to get involved in, in making society kind of a better place for everybody. So.
0: Yes. Uh, be- before we get off, could you share, um, so, is it there an Instagram or um, any other kind of social media people you'll look at?
1: For Summit? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we, our, our website is summitilc.org, so that's S-U-M-M-I-T-I-L-C dot O-R-G. Uh, we have links to all of our social media there, but we are on Facebook. You could just search Summit Independent Living, or at Summit ILC, the outside the beginning, same as Twitter and Instagram, and I believe we're also on LinkedIn, okay. and on YouTube.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you, Abby.